We live in a jaded world. Sometimes the things that we see with our eyes, it's actually we're looking through eyes as adults because we've been hurt. We've been afraid. We've also gone through moments where we've had disappointments. And so we, we kind of lose that innocence because the world is a hard place. But but see, Jesus always said that we need to look and have the faith of a child. But what does that look like? How, as adults, can we then have a faith of a child? Well, our guest tonight is Michael King, and he's an author. And he has such a childlike faith that he sees gemstones appear from heaven, that, that he wrote a book called Gemstones from Heaven, that he sees like feathers in, in the air because he can see angels. Like he has such a childlike faith that he believes that whatever God says is true, is true. And so we're really excited to talk about childlike faith today on Touch by Prayer. So welcome to Touch by Prayer, Michael King. Thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your stories, but more importantly, encouraging our faith. Well, thanks so much, Lisa. It's a uh, uh, pleasure to be with you today. Well, this evening, I suppose. <laughs> well, we've had you on the show before, and the last time that we spoke, I mean, we we, we actually have you on the show before twice, and and we've we've talked about some very controversial topics. I mean, we, we talked about how we believe or that you believe that, you know, we are created to be eternal. And that was one of the topics we also talked that we talked about. We, and we, we kind of shared some gemstones from heaven stories because that was something that you, you just finished writing a book about it. And so, but these are things that, you know, adults just don't see, <laughs> you know, like with adult eyes, we just don't see it. Like what, where does this childlike faith, and why does Jesus want us to have that childlike faith? So I guess, to, for me, where does it come from? I don't know. I guess it's just a blessing from God. But um, I guess I was thinking about it when you were you were talking about the show originally, and I was thinking that, you know, what even is childlike faith? Um, and, and I think a lot of times when, and I was talking to my wife the other day even, and I think a lot of times when I think of childlike faith, I think of this like blind, unrational belief, this like carefree existence where there's literally nothing that can change or tarnish your view of God or the world. And almost like this stereotypical blonde moment where nothing of, of substance actually enters in because you're just so childlike. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's probably not the most accurate picture, but that's that's sort of the image that comes to mind when I think of that. Um but I think really childlike faith has more to do with believing and trusting God above all of the other voices and opinions, simply because, you know, God's is the most valuable. And, you know, it, what's interesting is like when I think of it, and this is kind of how I see you, is like you're talking about your daddy. And like, and children have a perception about their fathers. If they have a good relationship with their fathers, they have a perception mm-hmm. about their fathers or even their grandfathers or their uncles. But you can say to a child, well, what, what about your dad? Well, my dad is the best and my dad is this and my dad is that. And they'll go on and on and they will believe <laughs> in, in everything about their father. And you can't change that thought. And I, that's what I see for you is that you you see the father just as he is. And if somebody says, well, he can't do that, you you put your hands on your hips and be like, oh, yes, he can. <laughs> oh, yes, he can. Because there's mm-hmm. there's such um, there's such a trust and there's such a um, an understanding of who he is to you that it doesn't matter what somebody else says because you know who he is through your eyes and how you see him. But what's so beautiful about that childlike faith is it, it, it's something that we can share with others to open up their eyes to bring out like that inner child. Do you think like there's that, that there's a, a moment that we can actually, our eyes can almost become open to something so new and so different and seeing God in such a different way that we can see him as a child. That's what I'm, I kind I think- of feel. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I think a lot of what happens is that in the in the circumstances of life, the things that we all have stuff that happens, you know. Um, and anybody who says they don't is lying. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody just has stuff that happens in life, and and a lot of times it's easy for those things to drag us down. And and it's not abnormal if they do. You know, I mean, there's no shame, blame, or or whatever. If if you're going through struggles in life that really bring you down. I think the key is, can we come to a place that we come out on top again? 
And and I think the benefit of, of childlike faith, if you will, is that um, that no matter how, how low things go, there's always this this loving, kind, good, trusting uh, Heavenly Father that's standing there to walk us through it and to bring us out on the other side. And so even in bad situations, there's literally no situation that is too far from God's ability to, to help us and carry us through it which I, I think allows room for faith and room for hope and room for trust, even when we struggle. Well, you know, I, I think about Peter. Like, th- lately the Lord has really been putting Peter on my heart. Like, both Peter and John. Like, they're kind of like they're kind of like the yin and the yang, you know, because, you know, John was a disciple whom Jesus loved the most. Okay, we get that, you know, and everybody like rolls their eyes when they say it because, but, but right? But, but, but let, let's look at it from a different perspective. See, John knew who he was. He knew that he was loved. He never questioned it. He got it. And I think that there's something so very powerful in that. However, we look at Peter and Peter was quick to do stuff. And, and so like today I was, I was, you know, reading in the Bible and, I, and we were talking about like when Jesus appeared on the shore and they went out to go fish and, and Jesus said to throw the, the, the net on the other side and they caught so many fish and immediately John recognized him. And he said to Peter, that's the Lord. Cause he, he, he saw him. He recognized him right away. But Peter jumped into the water and swam to him. John didn't jump into the water. Like he saw, yep, that's Jesus. Yep. But he stayed in the boat. Do you know what I mean? But Peter got so excited that he jumped and he jumped into the water. See, that's that childlike faith that I think about. It's like when, when you see your father, you kids go crazy. Do you ever see a kid at, at like when their dad comes home and they're little? It's like, Daddy's home. Ah! You know, it's like all that craziness. And I think because they're or even when mommy comes home, if there isn't a father, mommy's home, you know, they go nuts. It's kind of like when the dog sees the master comes home. Ah, everybody goes crazy because they recognize that something has come and something that they love has approached and, and something that they can now be with and that there was something that was missing from the family. And I think that like that's something that I think the church needs to kind of come back to is that first love. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably one of the the biggest struggles in probably the day-to-day of life is is there's all these, I mean, just even as a believer, there's all these things to do, and there's all these things we want to believe and areas we want to improve on, you know. Um, we want to make sure we get our Bible reading in. We want to spend time in prayer. We want to spend time, you know, just spending time with the Lord without having any, like, petitions and needs. We want to make sure we're thanking Him. We want to make sure that, you know, there's all these different, even just spiritual practices that are that are beneficial, but at the same time, um, there comes a point where it's almost like this pharisaical load upon load upon load, like there's just too much to do, you know? And I think there comes this place where God is calling the body, saying, yeah, these things are good, but um, just come back to that place of childlike innocence, come back to that place where when you first got saved, the world was fresh and new, and you were just excited about God. You know, you can just come back to that place of excitement, and God can do just as much with that excitement and expectation in your heart as He can with you fasting and praying for three weeks. Absolutely. Um, Because I think a lot of it, a lot of faith, truthfully, um, we have all these different teachings about faith, but I still think people don't understand it very well. Faith is very simple. It has to do with our expectation. You don't have to pray a prayer at all, ever. You don't have to say, oh, God, and list whatever it is you want to pray, because it comes down to an expectation in your heart. Right. And, and that's why that's why he's able to do more than we can ask or think. Or imagine. Because, because it's just the thoughts and the intents of our heart. It's the things that are within us that we expect, that, that we hope for. Those are the things that, that God's able to fulfill in our lives. Right. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a very interesting thing because as, as um, you know, Jesus also said that you get not because you ask not, because I think that, you know, our expectations are God's not going to do it. So I'm not going to ask for it. It's out of the realm of possibility because I don't think that people don't ask because they don't want it. I think they don't ask because they don't believe they're going to receive it. 
I, I agree. I, I think we get so used to, well, this is possible. And I do it, too. I mean, I, I find myself um, limiting God in so many ways. And I say limiting God in the sense that I limit what I'm allowing in my life, really. I mean, God's God's immortal. He's he's all-powerful. He God ultimately has ultimate ability. It more has to do with God's given us domain in, in the earth. And so we limit what we accept into our lives. Um God's never limited, we're limiting ourselves. So we're limiting our own potential and our own receiving of of his mercies every day. So it's it's this part where I say to myself, oh, well, you know, I think God can do this. And it's like, well, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said, Michael, because um, God can literally do anything. So why are you limiting yourself? Why am I limiting my own beliefs, my own expectations? Well, I think it's because of the disappointments. See, that that's the thing is we have to come out of the mindset that God is human. <laughs> Jesus was human, yeah. yes. But but Jesus was was also, he depleted himself of, of his deity to walk on the earth, but he still remained true. He never lied. He didn't never said anything that he didn't do. He, he, he walked in complete and total understanding of who he was once he got filled with the Holy Spirit. But he's not a God who can lie. So he can't disappoint us as men can, because the motives of men are not for our good, where God's motives for us are always good. And I think that's the, the shift that we have to come to, is that we have to start to understand that God's motives for us are always good. Man's motives for us, eh, not so much. <laughs> there are some people who have good motives, but like, let's be honest, how many people have been hurt by something that a, a, a man has said to them or a woman? Like, I'm just using man as like the body of Christ, but yeah. there's, you know, we become very jaded that, well, you know, yeah, it says it, but is it is it really going to happen? And I, I think... Like, that's why I believe that Jesus only took Peter, James, and John when he did certain things. Like, when he raised that young girl back from the dead, he only brought Peter, James, and John and the parents. That's it. Because he couldn't have that doubt. He couldn't, he couldn't have those, those eyes, I guess, of a, an adult. And I hate to say it that way, but it's really kind of what I'm seeing. Because I, I, I feel like there's such an innocence in children. And I know how much you love children. And you're constantly with kids. And so I, I feel like that's something that you can kind of see. That you can actually get that childlike perspective from hanging out with kids. Yeah, I mean, we our, our grandkids live with us right now, and one of the things that um, one of the things that impresses and um, challenges me, I guess I'd say, is that uh, you said when when anybody comes home, they're always so excited. I mean, I even say to myself, "Why is this kid so excited to see me?" But they are; they're thrilled. It's like nothing nothing else brightens their day more than just the fact that you're there, um, and and it's because they perceive probably things we don't even perceive about ourselves. It's that. It's sort of like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. There's, there's just something about the love of a child which um, is always expecting goodness. And, and I think that's some of where, where our faith needs to come from, is, is that we are always expecting goodness from our Father in heaven. Like in Luke 12:32, it says, it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Well, if it's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, then then he's delighting in us. There's this hope. There's this trust. There's there's the ability that we can have to expect good things from a father who says, "All I'm going to give you is good things." If you ask for anything, if you ask for good stuff, why would I why would I give you something bad? If you ask, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will I give good gifts to those who ask? How much more will I give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you because it's my good pleasure. It gives me joy to give you good things. Right. And I think that's that's the other thing too. You know, when you were talking about, you know, if you ask for a, a bread, will I give you a stone? Or if I ask you for a fish, will I, you know, will I give you a scorpion? And I think that's that's the that's where we where we become jaded. Like we were thinking, you know, and that's why I think Jesus said that. Is because they were thinking God did not give good gifts. That, that if you asked for, you know, bread, who's going to give you a stone, <laughs> you know, because I think that they became so jaded because they just were, they were frustrated. And, and let's be honest, you know, religion is not so life-giving all the time. 
Sometimes religion can pull us down and can pull us into a place where, well, you deserve that and God is going to use that to help you. It's like, seriously? Like when you start to hear some of those things, like then you start to think, well, I I pulled this upon myself. Oh, I'm being punished because of this and God is going to show and he's punishing me because I was disobedient and I was this. And and I think that's really why Jesus really talked about that. Like God's not going to give us bad things. God never gives bad things. That's not who he is and that's not his intention. So I, I think he was trying to shift the focus into starting to see the father as good, as a loving father who gives good gifts to his kids. So I, I, I think that like there's the, the one thing that I keep thinking about, about kids is kids are, are so easy to get excited, but more importantly, it's so easy for them to believe. I mean, think about it. We we teach some of our kids that, you know, there's an Easter bunny <laughs> or there's Santa Claus and they, they believe it. They absolutely yeah. believe there's no question about it. Like I remember my five, my five-year-olds when she was five years old, my Samantha, you know, she was only, she was only in kindergarten. And she said to me, she said, mommy, she said, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Like is, is Easter bunny real? And now she's asking me and I, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Cause I never believed in the, the whole Easter bunny thing, but she, here we go. Um, and, and she's asking me and she's looking at me with these eyes like, mom, I'm expecting you to tell me the truth, you know? So, so I said, do you really think a six foot bunny comes walking into our house and gives you a basket? And she looked at me and just the, the horror that appeared. And it was one of those parent moments where you were like, oh, I totally just blew it. But she she looked and she cried out and she goes, the next thing you're going to tell me is Santa Claus isn't real. I hope there's no five-year-olds listening. (laughs) My husband just said, I hope there's no five-year-olds listening. So, but, you know, but she believed it. She believed that an Easter bunny came to the house. Like, really, nobody had, no, we didn't have to convince her. We just said it. And she believed it. And I think that's where the church has to come back with that childlike faith, that we just have to believe it. But kids will, they, they believe it because they trust us. And I think that's, some, that's part of it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, in some ways, kids believe some of the more fantastical stuff even easier than some stuff that's just much more down to earth. And I, I don't even understand it. Um, sometimes I'll explain, I'll explain something scientific or something to my grandkids and I'll explain, uh, especially to the oldest one who's just turning eight, I'll say, explain something to her and she's like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it works. And she's like, really? But, but I mean, you don't want to talk about the Easter bunny or whatever else. And like, she's all on board with it. And I'm like, I, I don't get this. But, well, um, but, isn't, but that is, that's the faith of a child. But, but also, isn't it that we were created to be supernatural? See, we oh, were for created sure. for supernatural things. So to believe in, in something that is supernatural, that brings good gifts. Well, that just kind of goes right into our, our, our actual system of, of how we were set up to believe. We were set up to believe the impossible. We were set up to believe. Like if you said to a child, you can walk on water, that kid will go out on that water trying to walk on water. No question. Oh, for sure, yeah. No question. There, that, that's it because it's in our DNA. We just believe. But I think it's over time and through disappointments and, and through hurts and fears and all the other stuff that came in through the fall that, that, we've, that I kind of feel that childlike faith is gaining back your identity where, <laughs> and I believe that the church has kind of lost its identity. And so therefore we're very skeptical of what we believe. I mean, it, it's a, it's I a, think, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say that I think a lot of it is that childlike, childlikeness, some of that is, is that there's still imagination. Mm-hmm. And as we get older, I think we're taught not to imagine and um, I heard somebody say one time that, you know, we need more whimsy in our lives. Um, and it really is that there's this imagination, this whimsical, kind of fluffy, fluttery, whatever, that um, we really need more of because that's where, that's where I think the supernatural starts to happen. Because I'll be honest, I, I think sometimes the different miracles and things that happen, I think they happen because people think of them, not because God says, I have a specific way that this needs to be done. Um, I think a lot of times we actually get 
some of the things we ask for, some of the things we want, because it's in our heart. Um, not because that was God's initial major plan or because there's some deep something to it. Like the temple. God made a temple because it was in David's heart to build for him a temple. That's really the only reason. Because the entire time he had a tent of meeting that could get set up and taken down and this and that. And, and it says somewhere in the Old Testament, you know, God looked at David's heart and he saw what was in David's heart. And it was in David's heart to build the temple. David had these imaginations and these dreams of what he wanted to do. Uh, for God, as though God needed a stone building, you know, um, or, or a wooden, golden, whatever it was made of building. I think it was like cedar and gold mostly. But God didn't need that. It's because God was um, fulfilling David's imagination. Right. And well, now think about it in a in a fatherly, you know, or we'll say grandfatherly perspective, you know, like think about the things that you want to do for your grandkids. Like you mostly just stuff they like. Yeah. They like it because I think it's sensible. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to go color. Okay. We're going to go do this. Okay. We're going to go do that. But it's, it's like going to Disney world. And and this is something that, that God's really been talking to me about Disney world for some reason, because he said like at Disney world, it's where people let down their, their stuff and they allow themselves to dream again. And they allow themselves to have fun again. And it allows them to be a kid again. Because I think that there have been so many people who have been hurt and, that, and there were some things that they didn't get to do as a kid. So therefore, like places like Disneyland and some of these other Universal and some of these other places that have been intended as theme parks, they're really not made for kids. They're meant to bring out the kid in all of us. Because I think there is, you know, and then, and especially like I know that you, you have such a heart for for people to to come together and to come to a place of, of healing and especially like from a childhood issue that that inner child has to be let out every now and then to to experience and, and to because it's a part of who we are. I, I don't think that God created us to to be so like jaded and, and, and I hate to say boring, but it's like even when we dance. Like sometimes when you dance, like you're letting your inner child out in some ways, <laughs> especially if you can't really dance. <laughs> you know? I fall into that category. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like as you start to like, you know, hang out on the dance floor and you're like flailing your arms and feeling silly and ridiculous. Well, you're, you're stepping out of that parent or you're stepping out of that adult and you're allowing yourself to be silly and to be a kid because kids are silly and kids are, are, are full of excitement and kids are... Also, fill of um, they're full of promises. I think that that's the other thing too. You know, you ask a child what they want to be, they they don't say, "Well, I think I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to work in a nine to five job," and I'm, gonna, you know what I mean? No, they're like, "I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer, or I, I'm going to be a, a, a teacher, or I'm, I'm going to be the president, or I'm going to be a, a going to be a presidential nurse, astronaut, firefighter, correct, walks on the moon and rules." while fixing up little dolls that's that right their legs. that's and <laughs> they're like all right go do that yes and you know but then then somebody says oh you can't do that well don't you understand the schooling that goes into that and, it, and this goes into this and and then what that starts to do is it just starts to knock down those dreams and it just starts to knock down that stuff and the lord said to me not too long ago he said that that they're there were promises and there were destinies that he spoke into his kids. But when they went to their leaders, the leaders said, now this is not from God. And so they abandoned them. But that was really from the father. It was from his heart. It just didn't sit into that typical church mold, but it was really from his heart and it was really what they were destined to do. But they just abandoned it because their superior said no. And I think that's kind of, that's, that's another place that we have to, we have to start looking at, at things in a, into a different perspective and, and, and building, you know, building that, that faith into somebody else to achieve what God has called them to do. I think so. I think a lot of the um, dreams that people have that are impossible, um, that's, I think almost the more impossible it is in some ways, the more likely it is that, that what's, that's what God wants to do. Um, because God's all about partnership with us. And let's be honest, um, if if my goal and my dream is to 
I don't know, buy a sewing machine, and I now I can own a sewing machine. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If God wants me to have a sewing machine, if I want one, then I'm not really sure why I picked that, but whatever. Um, but but I mean, I could just go to the store and buy one. You know, if if there's something that doesn't require some deep partnership with God, that doesn't really require faith, it doesn't require engaging heaven to see this happen. Um, so I think almost the more fantastical the dream is, um, the more the more God wants to say, yes, how can we make that happen? You know, how can I have you partner with me? Instead of a sewing machine, what if I gave you a textile factory? <laughs> you know, I mean, what if, and, and you could use all the sewing machines you want, but what if I give you a textile factory and you could not just make an item by yourself, but you could produce hundreds and thousands of pieces of clothing that would clothe people. You right. know, you can make jobs, you can create this entire culture uh, in, in the workplace and, this is all because you had a desire to make clothing. And that's how he works. Because if we yeah, can do it on our own, then then where's the faith? We don't need the faith, correct? For sure. I mean, anything I can do by myself, you know, I, well, obviously I took care of it, so problem solved. Yeah, and, and I think that's the other thing, too. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of faith to to see certain things, but it does take tremendous faith to see other things. And I, I think that like God starts to, because it says that he gave us a seed, um, a mustard seed of faith. Everybody has a mustard seed of faith. And the thing about the mustard seed of faith, everybody like, because people tried to explain it to me. Like when I was first kind of walking this through, I'm like, okay, so everybody has a mustard seed of faith. Okay. Well, what, what does that necessarily mean? So everybody has this itty, bitty, 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 teeny, as small as the smallest seed, right? And everybody has this teeny, tiny seed. Okay, well, that's great. So is that all the faith that we need to see the things? Or is it saying that I've given you a seed that if you plant it and if you nurture it, that it's going to start to grow and it's going to yield a huge, it's going to huge, huge, huge tree. I mean, that's well, the other told thing. told a parable about that too. Um, I mean, and there's these two different places where Jesus talks about a mustard seed. In one, he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, I may be misquoting things, but he says something to the effect of, you can say to this mountain, go, and it'll be cast into the sea. And elsewhere, he talks about faith as small as a mustard seed, but it grows and it becomes, like you said, this, this tree in the garden, this place where, where birds can rest, and, and it actually becomes this foundational place for other people. So your faith doesn't have to stay this this small something. The goal is for it to grow and become a support system for, for others around you. Right. And there there are also some people who've lost their faith. Like they've just psh, they've asked, they've prayed, they've they've, you know, done all that they could do and they slowly started to lose their faith. I, I just recently went to see the movie Miracles from Heaven. And the mother was so distraught that her daughter was dying. She was so distraught that she gave up her faith. But when push came to shove, when push came to shove, she got down on her knees and started crying out and begging and, and pleading and trying to muster up her faith. And others came to by her side and along her side. And, and, and a miracle happened and it was beautiful how, how God orchestrated something so beautiful and how his, his plan, which I don't believe that sickness ever comes from God, but the, the plan of, yes, this thing came in, but I have a plan for her to get better. I have a plan to heal her. And it was just so beautiful how everything just, and you could actually see the way that the movie, I don't know if, you, if you've seen the movie, but the way that the movie incorporates, it goes back to the places of the miracles and it shows the miracles. And it was so beautiful how this person who, I don't know who produced it, but it was so well done. But you left saying, yes, miracles happen every day. We just are too blind to see it. And so I think that as we start to, fix our eyes back into seeing, like looking at our fathers, like, okay, what are you, what are you going to do today? Or what's going to happen today? I, I think we start to change like what we're seeing and we change our perspective. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? I think so. I mean, I think one of the biggest problems is it's impossible to 
avoid the fact that we have disappointments in life, and those disappointments have the potential to erode our faith. Um, but I think that the only way you can keep them from eroding your faith and or get it back is is to change your perspective and start looking at the Father again, like you're saying. Um, and really, I think I think that really everything comes down to what is the Father like? Because if if we start looking at all of the life situations and the things that happen in our lives that are disappointing, that are negative, we can do one of two things. We can either learn that that's the wor- how the world goes and that's how the world works because this is what we've experienced. That's usually what we do, is we learn negative things from our negative experiences. Or we can say, I understand that I experienced that, but that's not God's highest for me, and that's not from God. Like one of the one of the songs, there's a song on the radio that drives me absolutely nuts. I refuse to listen to it and always change the channel when it comes on. It talks about um, what if the trials of this life are his mercies in disguise. Yes. I and know listening the song. to the song drives me nuts because um, it's not a, I don't perceive it to be scriptural. I don't perceive it to be the heart of the Father. I don't perceive it to be how it actually works. I perceive it to be somebody's well meaning interpretation of, well, we all have bad stuff happen, and while God works all things for good, you can look at it two ways. You can say God takes bad stuff and makes it good even though it didn't start out good, or you can say God causes bad stuff because God knows that you need the bad stuff in order to grow. Well, one of those is a really abusive Heavenly Father, and the other is kind and loving who fixes stuff even when we mess up. And that's and I really you know what I mean, and yeah. I know which one I will pick every single time. Absolutely, um, because we've had more than enough abuses in the church. We've had more than enough abuses in people's homes, in their marriages, in their lives, and their whatever relationships they've had. People get uh, abused by coworkers and bosses, and there's more than enough of that flying around. The last thing you need is a heavenly Father who is just like every other person. Right. Um, and and the fact is, he's not. But our experiences have taught us that since this is what people are like, this is what God's like. And what God's trying to say is come back to that place of innocence, come back to that place where a child always trusts. child says, yes, excited, you're home, because all I expect is good things. Um, and, and God's saying, yeah, you know, change your perspective. Don't let disappointments erode your faith. Let disappointments be the thing that reminds you that that's not what I'm like and that I didn't cause it. Right. And then we can, and then we can fight against it. When, when you start to, if, if you start to believe that something that, that happened to you is from God, are you going to fight it? You're well, not. that's just it. Honestly, people are, well, people do though. We're, we actually are extremely inconsistent with what we believe. We, we uh, let's take the idea that sickness is from God. Right. Um, well, we don't pray uh, when we believe a sickness is from God then we don't typically pray for God to heal us because we just say, well, we just need to suffer through and learn what God wants to Correct. teach us. Yet we still go to a doctor. Yep. Which, I'll be honest, if you think the sickness is from God, then grin and bear it, shut up, and just, you know, just take it. But in reality, the fact is, deep down in our hearts and our spirits, we know it's not, and we know it's God's will for us to be well, so we go to a doctor. That's right. That's you a know good what point. I mean? Like, we yeah, no, really deep point. down in our heart. Yeah. We really, deep down, I think we know in our spirit that God wants us to be well. That's why Jesus said, I came to bring life and life abundantly. But when but, some... But, it's, but we have a hard time believing that because we've been taught a bunch of garbage. But, the, but that's the problem. We just go problem. about it the only way we know how, which is then go seek solutions the only places we know how. Right. But that's the biggest problem, is that we, as the, the church... Like, if we're believing that it, like you said, that it's from God, then we don't pray against it. And therefore, so when somebody dies, well, it, you know, God is sovereign. Oh, gosh, when I hear that, it drives me crazy because, it, it, no, it really does. And I, and I don't mean... No, it drives me crazy, too. That's oh, why I'm laughing. I'm right with you. Yeah. And, and as I hear it, I'm like, well, God is... So- yes, God is sovereign. But Jesus said that he came to heal the sick. That's why he came. That's mostly what he did in his ministry. He healed the sick. He cast out demons and he raised the dead. That's it. That's what, and he talked about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom yeah. of God People is People misunderstand sovereignty, which is really a root problem of a lot of things. God is sovereign, which means he's the highest authority in the land, period. Right. But 
let me throw it this way. Just because the president is the highest authority in the land or a king or a cult, whatever, just because a ruler is the highest authority in the land doesn't mean that a thief didn't break into somebody's house last night. Right. Yes, the rules say you're not allowed to do that, but a thief is a rule breaker. They don't care. Um, that's why the king or the, the whoever has policemen and lawmen who go and subdue the lawless to then bring them back under the, the reign, the sovereign reign of the king. Right. So God is sovereign simply means he's the highest authority. It doesn't mean everything happens the way he wants it to happen. But, and that's the biggest, that's the other problem. See, now, if we're thinking that, and, and, and I think this is the whole thing, you know, the childlike faith and our identity in Christ, I think that they kind of go hand in hand. Because if we understand our identity in Christ, then we can have a childlike faith. But if we don't understand who we are, if we don't understand our identity, then we, we can't have that childlike faith because we think that God is not a good God and we think that he, he kind of allows bad things and we, we can't be childlike and, and trust him in that way because we don't understand. And so if there's fear, we can't trust. So there's, there's a whole thing that needs to kind of come into play. I think it's the, I think that as, you start to really walk with the Lord. He restores your innocence. And I, I mean, at, at least he did for me. He started to show me truths so that there, so there wasn't that misunderstanding so that I could see my father in, a, in an innocence again because I saw that he wasn't behind that stuff, that his heart is always to love, that his heart is always to heal, that his heart is always to, to protect and provide. That's his heart. Now, whether it, it happens, well, there's, there's stuff, but his heart hasn't changed. His heart has never changed. And I think that's, that's part of it too. Like for me, because like if, if somebody says, well, do you think God wants it? Heck yeah, God wants to do that. Are you kidding me? Like I get, I get all like, I get all fiery. Like when people start to tell me what God is saying and, and it's so not what God is saying, I get like really upset because they're talking smack about my daddy. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think that as, as children, we, we become, we become to understand who he is, just like your grandchildren understand who you are. And if somebody starts talking smack about you, they'd be all up in their face saying, uh-uh, don't you dare talk about my grandfather like that. Don't you talk to my granddaddy about that. Don't you dare, because they know who you are. And I think that's, that's the other thing, too, is we can, we can then fight from a place of knowing as a place of, instead of a place of religion. Does that make sense to you? Oh, completely. Um, actually, the other day I was kind of running into this... Um, uh, I guess it's been Easter weekend this this past weekend, mm -hmm. and um, I was coming out of work, and you may have seen this post on Facebook, but I was coming out of work the other day and talking to one of my coworkers. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a nurse, and I said she asked me something about um, did I get an Easter gift for my wife, and I'm like, you know, the first time I thought about that is right now since you've just asked me, so no, I, I haven't, and I'm horrible with holidays. Um, but I said, you know, maybe I'll just go find some roadkill and see if she can resurrect it for Easter. <laughs> uh, and she's like, no, 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 no. She, she mentioned something that I needed to, to get her, some flowers or something nice. And, and I'm like, you know, like, I would love that right. as an Easter gift. That would be so not 10 minutes later, I walk outside and I find a dead mouse. Well, I was going to ask you, did, did you pray over the mouse and did it get resurrected? I did pray over it. It did not come back. Okay. But, um... And I kind of had to have a two to three day policy when it comes to uh, praying over dead animals. Okay. Because um, I, I don't get my hands on, on many dead bodies. So uh -huh. um, that sounds kind of really morbid when I say it that way. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I do not often have the opportunity to, to pray over people who have passed away to try and resurrect them. So mm -hmm. um, I, I take opportunities as they come. You know, we've had chickens and things that we've had that have died. And occasionally if I find like a really good condition piece of roadkill that's fairly near the house. It can't be like smashed up and nasty, but, um, and I've taught the grandkids actually, I, you know, we'll sit there with the animal and we'll pray over it usually for like half an hour, an hour or more. Um, and, and so when I come home with it, with a dead animal, the kids know that we're getting to pray and, uh, <laughs> they get excited. Yeah. They do. They hey, it was excited, resurrection but, Sunday. Um, <laughs> and I thought that was kind of fun too. Yeah. I felt like God was just kind of giving me a little nudge about that, but um, the reason the reason I'm telling you this is because um, when I was praying for this dead mouse, I was even struggling with 
does God even want to resurrect this mouth? You know, it really, I really started to have to look at my own unconscious or subconscious beliefs. I mean, consciously, mm-hmm. sure, God wants to raise everybody. God wants nobody to die. God mm-hmm. wants everybody to live, et cetera, et cetera. But I had to look at sort of those underlying beliefs that I still hold on to mm-hmm. and and say no. That, and I had to, I verbally out loud, I would just start reminding myself of who God is and what he's like and what his will is for us. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm standing in my room just kind of walking up and down and saying, you know what, the, the, it, his will is life and life abundantly. He's not willing that any should perish. Uh, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go. So he's appointed me to go release the mandate of the king, the will of heaven. And I mean, this is how I pray. Um, I just start really almost talking to my own spirit and saying, you know, it, death, loss, and destruction, it's the, it's the work of the thief, it's the work of the enemy, his is life and life abundantly. So I can walk in faith that he wants abundant life, that it is not will for his will for this animal to die. So now I can pray from a place of faith as I've stirred up my faith um, that, okay, God does want this animal, and then I kind of push that doubt aside. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I think we think it's our doubt, and it's not. It's the enemy's trying to bring this doubt on us. The enemy's trying to take this external stuff and put it on us and say, see, look, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough this. You don't have what it takes. Um, and that's when we just have to kind of push those negative voices aside. And that's usually how I do that, is I just sort of mentally remind myself. Usually I do it out loud. Um, I remind myself of what is it that God said. And, and from that place, then I've sort of regained and rebuilt that trust in that moment to walk that out. And I think that's important. I think that what you just said is so important that you stirred up your faith because that's what David did. When, when David, after Saul was killed, David went back to, um, oh gosh, I can't think, I just had it on the tip of my tongue, but he went back to Ziklag. Thank you, Lord. So he went back to Ziklag. And when he went to Ziklag, his family, their, the, his soldier's family, everybody was gone. It, the, the village was pillaged and t- everything was taken and everybody was very dismayed. And so the, the soldiers were going to turn on David and David thought, great, I'm a dead man. But what he did is he sat and he stirred up his faith and he reminded himself of all of God's victories and he reminded himself. And then after After he got himself excited again, that's when he went to the Lord and said, Lord, should I go? And the Lord said, go, and you will be victorious and you're going to get everything back and then some. But he- He says what? Pursue, overtake, and recover all. Correct. And so that that is so important that sometimes in, in the midst of what we're seeing as impossible and like, oh, this is just so horrible. Sometimes we have to take a step back and we have to start reminding ourselves, what do the scriptures say? What does it say about me? What has God said about me? What does God say he will do? We have to remind ourselves and speak those things out in order to stir up that faith, to get ourselves going, to, to motivate us into a place of victory as into a place of defeat. And I think that's sometimes that the, the, we forget to do that because we're human. And, and sometimes the stuff is so overwhelming that we, we just, we say, oh, well, it's over now. You know, they feel like, you know, and I'm like, no, the fat lady hasn't sung yet. Come on now. <laughs> we, we, we have to keep pushing. Because just when you're about to see your breakthrough is when you probably get the most resistance. And that's when you really, really have to push through. That's where you have to just stand on every single promise, everything that God has said. And you just have to say no. And you have to look at that mountain. You tell that mountain to move. And that's it. And you just don't look at anything else, but you just keep telling that mountain you're going. You're going into the sea and you're getting moved. And that's, and, and that's it. There's no, there's, there's no turning back. Because if we turn back, we're probably not going to go back to that mountain. Because the mountain's going to be too big for us. And, and that's one of those things I think people don't realize. Faith is fluid. It's not a static thing. Like, we think, oh, faith is like a mustard seed. Well, that's a solid object. Um, but where it talks elsewhere, it talks about you being given a measure of faith. Typically, a measure, I think, is used to measure potentially liquids and or like a measure of grain. So it's this amount that can fluctuate in size. Um, and really, the, the, the image there is that faith is this fluid thing. It's not this solid, rigid, static thing. So the point is it fluctuates. Um, there are times where you have more faith and times where you have less faith. There are times where you, somebody has more faith in one area than another. Um, and we can kind of reallocate some of that faith. If we do it right, we can kind of 
you know, remind ourselves of the, of the areas we have seen God move and build on that faith to see God move in other areas. Um, and actually, one, and I, I read a really good chapter in a Praying Medic's book, Divine Healing Made Simple. He has a really good chapter that talks about faith. Um, and I love the way he describes, because he's talking about similar things, what we're talking about, about faith. Um, but he talks about how there's like specific faith and general faith and um, faith in one area, how you can sort of use it to turn into faith in another area, because we start to realize that the nature of God is such that He's willing to do this set of things. Well, how is that set of things all that different? Right. You know what I mean? If God will move in my finances, why wouldn't He move in my health? I mean, it's still a problem, right? Right. So even if you have a lot of faith for one thing, you start to build yourself up and remind yourself, stir up that faith for what you do believe God for, and then just start to pray into those other things and say, you know what, this is the same God. He has those same good thoughts towards me. And if he can do it here, he can do it there. Well, that's that's sort of um, like what David did, because he said, look, he helped me to kill the bear. He helped me to kill the lion. Then he, then he helped me to kill Goliath. Like, so he started to remind himself, okay, that was a victory. That was a victory. Then he started to think about the victories that he had on the battlefield. Then he started to think about the victory that he didn't have to kill Saul because he really didn't want to do that. He just really did not want to do that. And so, but it was taken care of that God was, God was faithful in everything that he said and that he was going to become king. That, that is what he was, that he was set to do. That, that's what, that was his destiny. And so he just started to stir up those things. And I think like there besides having the, the measure of faith and, and sometimes, but there's also, there's a gift of faith that sometimes comes, mm-hmm. which is part of the gift of the spirit. And that's, that's a supernatural faith that you don't have to have it, but the Holy Spirit will give it for you, give it to you at that one time. Because I think about Jesse Berkey, the first time he ever prayed over somebody to raise him from the dead. He did not have that faith. <laughs> you know, if you talk to him, like, but he heard the Lord say, do it. You know, and most people who have who have raised the dead, they have heard the Lord say, do it. Because like I even spoke to Pastor Derek Gates out of the way in KC. And he said he was at a restaurant and this man died and, and the Lord was telling him, go over there. And he's like, uh-uh. <laughs> he's like, go over there. And he's like, nope. So then finally he goes over there. He goes, tell him to breathe. And he's like, I am so not. But he just because he didn't have the faith. But then all of a sudden, something inside of him, and he just said, I say breathe in the name of Jesus. And the guy went, <gasps> and that was it. <laughs> and that was it. Because he didn't have that faith, but the Lord was giving him that supernatural faith to see a dead man rise. And I think so, so sometimes there's just different measures of faith. So sometimes, sometimes God, if we don't have it, but God needs to use us and we're willing to be used. He'll give us that little extra kick that we need. It's kind of like drinking. Um, what is the, what is the, uh, the coffee drinks that people drink to get them going? Espresso maybe? No, not espresso. It's in the can. It's in the blue can. I can't think of what the heck it's called. Are um, you talking like Red Bull? Or yes. Like yes. Or... That's exactly it. Sometimes you just need a Red Bull of faith. <laughs> Because that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, because, you know, that gives you that extra pump of energy to get you through. Right. That's what college students. Gives you wings. Yeah. It gives you wings to fly. (laughs) See, there you go. So that's that's what God will sometimes do is he's just going to give you he'll give you that jolt, that little extra just to kind of get you over that mountain. But but it's but everything that he does, he does for good. And, And I think that's that's going back to he's a good daddy. Like he's a good, good father, you know, and there's been such a, a, a shift talking about music, like you were talking about before that song, good, good father. I mean, that song just, I don't know if it does with you, but it just resonates with me. And he, I, I actually went to go see the Berkeys and I stayed with them for a weekend and I, and I walked into their house. They weren't there. They went out to go get food. And so they said, the key is here go inside, make yourself at home. We'll be there shortly. So I'm walking into a stranger's, not that they're strangers, but I never met them in person, but they trusted me, (laughs) you know, it'd be like, Hey, Lise, you know, uh, Sunshine and I aren't home, but Hey, go on in and make yourself at home. You know, that's not something that people typically do to people that they meet on Facebook. It just, let's just be honest. But 
they, but they did. They invited me into their home and I walked into their home and I felt so uncomfortable and they had the music playing and Good Good Father came on. And that's, <laughs> that's when I knew, that's when I knew this was going to be an incredible weekend. And it, and it truly was. It just blessed my socks off. But see, that's, that, that also takes faith to, to sometimes speak to somebody or to friend somebody on Facebook. Sometimes that even takes faith because there's crazies out there and not, no offense to anybody who's listening, but <laughs> like we've all run across those people that we've had to defriend because they were not sent as friend. They were sent as foe. And so there, there has to be, you know, we have to use discernment, but I, I also think that God is just, he's just doing something in this season. And I really think that faith has so much to do with it, you know? And I, I completely agree. And yeah, I, go ahead. No, 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 you say what you're going to say. No, I, I was just going to say, like, even even for you, I mean, some of the things that, that you've, like, stepped down on to do, like, it took tremendous faith. Like, even getting your first, well, your first book, right, which was uh, Gemstones from Heaven, and the second book was The Gamer's Guide to the Kingdom of God, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but in a short amount of time, you wrote two books. Sort of. I published two in a short amount of time. The one took about two and a half years. Uh-huh. Um, the Gamer's Guide I wrote in about, over the course of about two, two and a half years. Um, and it was mostly done, and we were partway through the editing process, when God just kind of dropped gemstones from heaven in my lap. Um, I mean, I wrote it all, but I wasn't intending it to be a book. I wrote a three-part blog post that um, praying medic called me, and he saw the, read, saw the first part, and he said, how many parts are there to this book? I said, well, I mean, to this to this post. I said, well, three at the moment, but I can write more if you want. Why? And that was when he suggested I make it a Kindle book. But Mm -hmm. then from there, God actually dropped this entire idea for this entire book series um, that when it's all said and done, I think I'm going to call it Miracles from Heaven Mm -hmm. um, and put it in a a single book. But there's going to be oil, gold dust, gemstones, feathers, and manna, um, and then anything else God runs our way. But... um, just talking about these different manifestations that God's releasing into the body. But, um, and, and don't you kind of have to have that childlike faith to, to see some of that? Because I, I think it helps. For sure. <laughs> you know, cause you've talked about like how you have these gemstone parties and it's like, you just have faith that God, that God is just going to show up and people are going to get gemstones. Sort of. I actually cheated on that one. Uh, we found a minister who actually has this manifestation happen all the time, and we invited them to come to our house. Uh-huh. And it, it's just so incredibly prolific that I knew we have this person here. It's just going to happen because he operates in the gift for this particular miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, though, since then, um, we've had it happen long since we stopped having the gem parties. We've had it happen. We actually, this weekend, we had, I think, four or five gems appear in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And honestly, I've kind of been trying to exercise faith in that area just to say, okay, God, what are you doing next? Because I feel like God's ramping up um, for a lot of things in the body. Actually, I have this sense that um, a, lot of the, a lot of the things that happened in the early 2000s, so down with Ruth Heflin and her ministry down in the Ashland, Virginia, they had camp meetings, and there was a, a woman from Brazil named Silvania Machado who had gold dust that would come out of her hair, and Ruth Heflin actually wrote a book called Golden Glory, mm-hmm. which talks all about this. But um, that's interesting. These, this miracle started breaking out and spreading around the nation and around the world. And then since then, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, they had gems appear and sort of this whole, and in uh, Puerto Rico. And there's been these different manifestations that have been breaking out in the last 10, 15 years. Um, but what I sense is that God's getting, he's right on the verge of releasing something new. And I almost feel like we need to revisit some of these things and remind ourselves, like you've been saying, remind ourselves of the things that God's been doing, because it's going to help prepare us for for where God's taken us, or where God's taking us, I'm sorry. No, um, I definitely agree with that. And it, it's interesting that you, because I, I actually went to see um, Kay Byer de Graaf, who her and her... Um, her husband who passed used to have manna that appeared. And I kept, at, when I was at this meeting, I kept hearing the manna's coming, the manna's coming, the manna's coming. I even said it. I was like saying it, the manna's coming, the manna's coming. So I was really, I was like, the manna's coming. <laughs> and I said it to her. I said, okay, the manna's coming. And she's like, I received that. And Joshua Mills also came. 
And he only was there for one session. And it was like the very last session of this uh, meeting. But what was interesting is he called out some things and I actually got healed. So he said, if you feel like you've gotten healed, come on up. And so I, you know, I'm hearing the Lord. Well, did you? So he, he prayed over me because I, I got healed. So he prayed over me and he touched me. And that was it. Because after he touched me, I prayed over somebody like the next two days later. And as I was was praying over them, I actually saw the gold dust dropping. I literally, I've never seen it actually falling, but I actually <laughs> saw it dropping. And it was like dropping onto my, it was, all, it was all over my sister, my sister who just became a believer. Her hands were covered. Like, and I, I said to her, I said, Tina, because her name's Tina, I said, Tina, you can't wash, because she went to the restroom. I said, you can't wash off gold dust. And she's like, what? I said, you can't wash it off. She's like, really? And so she took her light and she put it on her hand and you could still see the, the gold dust. And she took a picture. And you could actually see it when you magnified it. It was like, she couldn't believe it that she was, <laughs> and, and, and it was so cool because I had a, I had a dream. My husband said, and I was shouting in my dream. And when I woke up, I was like, he told me that. And I said, really? And so I went to the bathroom to start getting myself ready. And I saw a piece of gold dust by my, by my hairline. So I went to him and I said, I go, Rob, I said, do you see this? gold dust like right there and I'm pointing to it he goes actually your whole head looks yellow and, <laughs> and so when you just said that gold dust was coming out of this woman's hair I was like oh that can happen I didn't know that could happen <laughs> I just thought it just like appeared but there's gold dust sometimes in my bed it's on my pillowcase and I just thought that like the Lord just dropped it. But Jesse Berkey actually prophesied and he said that there's an angel who just sprinkles gold dust on top of my head to be seen so that people can see me. I'm like, what? I would believe that. Yeah, isn't that cool? And I was thinking to myself, like, this, you, you can't make this stuff up. And that, but, but you, you have to be willing to understand it and you have to be willing to accept it. Because if you said, no, it's, it's, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. Like, that's, the, I think that also comes down to that childlike faith too. That when somebody says that this can happen, that, that your insides go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, like for you, for the gemstones, it's like, yeah, I'm going to bring somebody here and he is going to, gemstones fall wherever he comes. So we are going to have a gemstone party. That was your childlike faith because there was no yeah, guarantee. I mean, <laughs> what were you going to yeah, say? I think it's like you said, it, 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 just, it comes back to imagination. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, um, Actually, the Lord, the Lord gave me kind of an exercise or like an activation last night when I was, I was just thinking about this and praying about it. And um, just because I'm like, okay, great, we want to have childlike faith, but like, how do we step into that? And um, you just start by imagining something that you think is impossible. Mm -hmm. What is, I mean, what is something that you imagine is physically impossible to happen that you, that you think would be neat to see? I mean, I, I think it's important that it be something that um, that somebody wants, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be something like, like gems or mana appearing or mm -hmm. something like, uh, I don't know, sell buying a house that's four times more expensive than they can afford. It doesn't matter what it is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but just something that they perceive to be impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, could be a superpower. You know, if, if somebody's having trouble thinking of something, imagine a superpower, you want to fly or shoot laser beams from your elbow or something. I don't know, but, um, start by imagining that. But don't just think of the thought. Imagine, imagine the experience of that. Imagine what does it feel like when that happens? Mm. What does it feel like to lift off the ground and start flying? What, is, what does it sound like? You know, is there a sound as you're flying through the air? What does it taste like? Um, what, you know, so engage your senses in your mind and start to experience in your imagination what this experience feels like. You know, um, I'm, I'm believing the leaves are, from the tree of life are going to start appearing. You know, what does it feel like? Do the, do the leaves make a sound when they float from down to the ground? Do, do they make a sound when they appear? Do you step on them and they crinkle and make a noise? You know, like experience this in your imagination. Because as we think in our hearts, so are we. It's, it's he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine according to the power at work within us. And I think a lot of times the power at work within us, it's our faith, it's our imagination, but it's, it's according to the power that's working within us. And so if we want to see God move, it's important to, um, to activate that faith, to, to do things that help us to step into that. Um, and, and almost you could call it prophetic daydreaming if you really needed to have some sort of title for it. But 
um, you're, you're just sort of having these these daydreams and this whimsical uh, ideas that you're just kind of dreaming with God and saying, you know, God, what would it look like if this would happen? What would it look like if if this thing that I think is impossible were to actually happen? What would that feel like? What would it sound like? Um, but as we do that, we stir up our faith and we, we change, um, we actually change our subconscious mind. Our, our subconscious mind doesn't have the ability to register our imagination as somehow different than, uh, I guess, scientific physical reality, let's call it. Um, our, our subconscious mind reads it all the same. So even when we imagine, it's, it's input, it's positive input, and will help build our faith. Um, in the same way that saying to ourselves, oh, that's impossible, that will never happen, well, that also registers as input, and, and our subconscious treats it the same way. It doesn't weight one more than the other. Well, can you do me a favor, Michael? Could you please pray for our audience to stir up that that faith that God has given them and to help to um, to make it grow? <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Let's Certainly. Let's make it grow. Certainly. Well, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to um, to join together today with what you're doing and releasing and engaging and activating and uh, expanding and growing our faith. So, Father, we thank you for the now. We, we first, we accept and we receive the gift of faith that you've given us. Father, even right now, we decree the release and the activation right now, God, of gifts of faith, touching people's hearts. Holy Spirit, activate that now in people's hearts. You are the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The gifts of the Spirit all come from you, and you give them to each as you will. They go to each as you will. And so we release that now, Holy Spirit, the gift of faith, activating right now in people's hearts and minds, bringing to life dreams. We decree even now, Father, that dreams are coming to life. We decree the release of faith for those dreams. We decree the release of uh, the removal, actually, of all doubt, that every lie of the enemy, even every lie of well-meaning believers that have been used by the enemy, we decree that those lies are coming off of people now. And I even see that the Lord is releasing um, like a, a fresh garment, like a head covering, something that uh, the helmet of salvation that covers your mind that brings life and freedom. The Lord's releasing that to people whose dreams have, have died, where they feel like they're not going to be able to go on. They feel like um, they don't know how to keep doing what God said, or they don't even know what God's doing anymore because they're so hopeless, that God's releasing hope, and with hope comes faith. So God's releasing a fresh wind of the Spirit into your lives even now, um, and we decree that release in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you who uh, you give good gifts, that there's no twisting and turning shadows in you, that it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom, that in your presence there's fullness of joy, there's pleasures at your right hand, that you're able to do more than we ask and think. We thank you, Father, for these attributes of your being, your personality, which is kindness, which is patience and goodness, which is life. So we thank you that even as we remind ourselves of these things that, that we engage you, and as we draw near to you, and we draw near to the experience of these attributes of you, that you also draw near to us in these ways. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you for quickening these things in our hearts and our lives. And we receive that now by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was awesome. And I just um, I just want to encourage you guys that are listening. I just really want you to encourage yourself to remind yourself, remind yourself of the things that God has done. Because what he has done in your past, he will continue to do. And just from the things that you have seen, the small things that you might have seen, expect the bigger, expect the larger, because God is not finished with you. He is going to see you to your completion. And so I just, I'm so excited that that I just believe that this, this there's a new wind of faith that is just being blown <laughs> across that people who've been listening, that there's going to be a fresh wind that's just going to catch in their spirit and that they're going to start to see some of the things that they thought were impossible. So that is so good. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and sharing your stories and, and sharing your wisdom. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. And I'll say if anybody does want to uh, connect more, I'm on Facebook. Um, uh, just search for Michael King. And um, you can also find me at my website at thekingsofeden.com. And uh, please, you know, comment, get involved, you know, feel free to share your thoughts and whatever. It's a community. So 
Absolutely. And, and if you guys want to, you can also check out his books, which is Gemstones from Heaven, which you can find on Amazon as a Kindle. But I also think that it, they're also in print, correct? Uh, the Gemstones one is not yet. Once I get them all done, they're going to be. But uh, right now, they're only on Kindle. Okay. Well, we do have a link on the site. So you could just click and you can go and get your Kindle version. And also, The Gamer's Guide to the Kingdom of God, you can also find that on Amazon. And also, at your on your Facebook page, I think you can find it. And I also think you can find it at your uh, on your website, correct? Yeah, that's correct. That is awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on and just for, for sharing your stories and just for being you. Because I, I think that you have an awesome childlike faith. And when I think of childlike faith, I think of you. Because I think that you are going to walk on water because you have that kind of faith. So... It's going to oh, be very exciting. It was, a, it was a pleasure talking to you, Lisa. <laughs> Absolutely. So I hope you guys have been blessed as much as I have been. Remember, you know, check out Michael's um, website, which is thekingsofeden.com, correct? That's correct, yeah. And also you can check out his um, books on amazon.com. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have been blessed just as much as I have been. And just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night. <laughs>